I have this memory from my childhood. I was not raised with my father in the household. They divorced when I was an infant. Um, but my father would visit a lot, come, and we'd get to go and spend, either go to a hotel room, spend a weekend with him, and, or go to his house where he lived. And one of the great things I, I really liked about that, and even having grandkids now, is when they can wake you up in the morning and you see that smiling face of that child. And I remember doing that to my father, and it's amazing how I think it's music, too. My father is, is, still is a big singer. He loves to sing, and that's a big part of his life. And, but he would always sing this little song when, you know, we'd be there waking him up, and, and it just stuck in my mind. And I know most of you know the song. I'm not going to sing the whole thing, but just the first couple of lines because it's just a good memory that I have uh, of my childhood with my father. I can hear his voice. Oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. I can't wait to look in the mirror because I get better looking each day. That is my father, isn't it? Yes, that's, yeah, that's. He's got a, such a kick out of that. I got kept thinking that is kind of we don't like to think that we actually think that way, but sometimes we do. We do. We've all have those moments. Now, we're on blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And I'm going to say, just like we talked in our Sunday school class, if you weren't there, you missed it. Too bad for you. Very, very hard to differentiate between humility and meekness. Now, we agree, and Craig and I agree, there's a difference. There is a difference. But man, people have a hard time grasping, grasping it because even in translating uh, the languages for the Bible, they tend to use them the same. Even though there's different words, they tend to translate them different ways. Like meekness has been translated. Meekness, humility, gentleness, all those different things. So it gets very, very hairy and it gets very difficult to pull them apart and see how is there a difference. So... Here's what you do. You know what you do if you just can't figure something out and you really need an answer? Yeah, yeah. Let somebody answer it for you. That's what you do. All right? Now, this has to be, this has to be a good answer because listen to the name of this. This is from Baker's Evangelical Dictionary of Biblical Theology. So it has to be right. He says, meekness is therefore an active and deliberate acceptance of undesirable circumstances that are wisely seen by the individual as only part of a larger picture. Meekness is not a resignation to fate, a passive and reluctant submission to events, for there is little virtue in such a response. Nevertheless, since the two responses, resignation and meekness, are externally often indistinguishable, it's easy to see how... What was once perceived as a virtue has become a defect in contemporary society. The patient and hopeful endurance of undesirable circumstances identifies the person as externally vulnerable and weak, but inwardly resilient and strong. Meekness does not identify the weak, but more precisely the strong who have been placed in a position of weakness where they persevere without giving up. So do we all know what meekness is? <laughs> meekness is not, and, and, and I worked hard on this one, so act like you're impressed anyway. <laughs> meekness, meekness is not the inability to impose our will. 
It's the unwillingness to. Thank you. Bruce, this is like you and me trying to hold our tongue in class. That's what meekness is. Where we sit there and we go, mm-hmm. I, could, I could answer this question. In my head, I'm doing that all the time. I really want to answer it. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. I want to go into what meekness is not because that's where we get confused a lot of times. Meekness is not weakness, okay? Meekness is not weakness. We kind of put those two together, especially contemporarily, because how many of you, honestly, outside of church, ever use the word meek? Yeah, exactly, okay? Nobody. We don't use that word anymore. But we've come to think of meekness as somebody who's a pushover. <laughs> and, I, and I guess, I don't know how old I am, but the, the word that came to my mind was a milk toast. We don't use that word anymore either, do we? Anybody ever heard that word, milk toast? Okay, if you, yeah. Well, you know what that is. That's that person who just, you can eat, yeah, you can push them around. You do, they, they, nobody pays attention to what they think or cares. That's not, that's not what meekness is. It's not weakness, and it's not timidity. They don't know what timid part where, oh, you're kind of, you're real quiet and you're reserved. Within timidity, being timid means there's fear. And I'm going to tell you, there is no fear in meekness. None at all. In fact, quite the opposite. And, as we said before, it's not simply humility. And Craig, I'm glad you said it in, in class this morning. You know how I know it's not humility? Because there's two different words. That's the, it takes that. That's how easy it is. There's two different words, and they're different in the original language, okay? So it's not the same thing. Nobody thought at that time, oh, we're just going to use humility and meekness the same. That's not what it was meant to be. Humility and meekness are not the same. Humility, and I tried to put this in a few different phrases, (laughs) humility is a state of mind, and meekness is a state of being. How deep is that? Okay. Humility is an act of character. Meekness is an act of the will. And then I finally came down with this one. Other people can humble you, (laughs) but only you can choose to be meek. Have you ever been humbled? Been humbled? I've been humbled by a pickle jar, okay? I think all of us in our life somewhere there's something we thought we could do. No problem. And it, it just, it defeats us. And in a way, that is humbling us. Meekness isn't that way. Only you can choose to be meek. Only you. That's a huge difference. Now, if we've gone what meekness is not... What is meekness? Meekness is, very simply put, power under control. Power under control. That's all it is. And although we hear this word, I've heard it my whole life, Sunday school, on up, my whole, you know, I was raised at the church from on up, heard meekness all my life. And it's really strange that how many people in the Bible, how many people in the Bible were described as meek? Craig, don't answer. Say it. Oh, yeah, that's not fair either, okay? (laughs) Two people. Two people in the entire Bible were described as meek. One of them, hey, take a guess who that was. Jesus, okay, that's the right right answer when you're in church or Sunday school, okay? Jesus was described as meek in Matthew 21, verse 5, and even all the way back in Zechariah 9, 9. 
said, tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, same word used for meek, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. The other man, who do you think? In the Old Testament, one person was called meek. Moses. In fact, it says he was the most meek in the entire earth. Okay? That's back in Numbers chapter 12, I think verse 3. But you have this great story. If you want to talk about power under control, they have this great event in the life of Moses that shows what meekness really is. In Exodus chapter 2, starting at verse 16, it says, Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters who came as usual to draw water and fill the water troughs for their father's flocks. But some other shepherds came and chased them away. So Moses jumped up and rescued the girls from the shepherds. Then he drew water for their flocks. When the girls returned to Ruel, their father, he asked, Why are you back so soon today? An Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds, they answered, and then he drew water for us and watered our flocks. Then where is he? Their father asked. Why did you leave him there? Invite him to come and eat with us. And he did that because he had seven daughters, by the way. That's why he did that. No, no joke. That is, that's why he did it. Now, I want you to get that event in your mind because we don't really understand exactly maybe what, what went on there because we have this idea of tough people, maybe cowboys. Cowboys, oh, they were so tough. Or they, you know, um, roughnecks. What are roughnecks? Is that the oil field people? Yeah. You know, we have this, this rugged idea of these guys. Shepherds were way beyond any of that. You may not think it because we have this picture of them just standing there with their little <laughs> stick in their hand, but they lived outside all the time. They, 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 were the, they were the toughest, roughest. They would be the ones that would go into town and party it up and everything. These are the kind of guys who would come around this well. They were driving these, these girls away, and it's Moses, this one man, and it simply says he jumped up and he rescued them. What you have to picture in your head is not to, hey, leave them alone. You picture Chuck Norris against ten guys, okay? And he's, do, he's, he's fighting them off, he's driving them away. That's what it would take to get rid of them. And that's not the Moses we all think about. We think about the Moses who's like, oh, I'm, I'm, I can't speak very well, I'm, I can't do that. That's because he was meek. That's what meekness is. All that power under control. That is what we have to get in our heads. Now, meekness is power under control, and on a more uh, practical level for us, meekness is seeing yourself through God's eyes. Seeing yourself through God's eyes. In other words, not looking at yourself and saying, I've got this going for me, this going for me, this going for me, but as if God himself is looking at you and saying, yeah, you really want to know how you measure up? George Washington Carver has this great thing. I've, I've, I've told this story several times, but it's so good. You know, he, he was a scientist who did what? George Washington Carver? The peanut, all right? Oh, hundreds and hundreds of products from the peanut. And he tells the story, when I was young, I said to God, God, tell me the mystery of the universe. But God answered, that knowledge is reserved for me alone. So I said, God... Tell me the mystery of the peanut. Then God said, well, George, that's more nearly your size. And he told me. To be able to see ourselves in light of God, 
Now, that doesn't mean we're not anything, because we know we're his greatest creation, but it means we have to be realistic. A.W. Tozer wrote in The Pursuit of God, I love this part, he says, The meek man is not a human mouse afflicted with a sense of his own inferiority. Rather, he may be in his moral life as bold as a lion and as strong as Samson, but he has stopped being fooled about himself. He has accepted God's estimate of his own life. He knows he is as weak and helpless as God declared him to be, but paradoxically, he knows at the same time that he is in the sight of God of more importance than angels. In himself, nothing. In God, everything. That is his motto. Meekness. Power under control. Seeing ourselves through God's eyes. Now, here was my question, and, and when Craig asked me to do this, and he got real lucky because he took humility the easy way out, and he put me with meekness. <clears throat> Actually, I think I chose this. Did I choose? I did, okay. Yeah, okay. I'll be honest, okay? I have to be okay. Yeah, that's right. You got that. But I had to think power under control, Craig. This is what was the hard part for me. What power? What power do I have? Am I the only person in here who's ever felt powerless? Helpless? Weak? Pitiful? I am all those things, but I had to think what power can be talking about. And so I started looking about some of the things that we have in our lives as Christians, by the way, as Christians only, to make us powerful. And the first thing popped in my head, powerful. Hey, there's a scripture that says we are more than... You can say it louder if you really know the answer. More than what? More than conquerors. In Romans chapter 8, starting verse 35, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. More than conquerors, that's a pretty powerful thing. Because I don't like going out in the world every day feeling like I've got nothing and I am nothing. Here's something else I came across. You know what? It is great to be able to go out, not only in that power, knowing that you're, you're more than a conqueror, but also this great knowledge that comes that uh, through Jesus, all of my guilt and my shame, whether I want to admit it or not, is gone. We like to kind of hang on to some of that guilt and shame. Do think it keeps us in line? And he says, you don't need to walk around like that anymore. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 15 and 16, it is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people. How many of you are around ignorant people every day? Around, okay, okay, sorry. Who make foolish accusations against you. And this is where the world is right now because they're tearing down the church. They're tearing down Christians by saying that we're stupid and we're foolish. He said, let your honorable lives they silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you, for you are free, and yet you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse 
to do evil. Now, that gets really tricky because you might want to say, free from what? And it's that guilt and that shame. And you're free from all those people who think those things about you because even God himself calls them ignorant. He says, don't worry about those people. Just live your life the way you're supposed to live your life and let it show That's a powerful thing that we have, the ability to go out there and to walk bravely among the world. And probably the most powerful thing for me, and I have to remind myself of this very, very often, is knowing where my citizenship is. In Philippians chapter 3, starting at verse 17, Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine. This Paul, excuse me. Paul writing this, and learn from those who follow our example. For I've told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows that they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. And we all know people like that. But we are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives And we are eagerly awaiting for him to return as our Savior. There are some days I just have to keep saying that to myself. That old thing, this this world is not my home. There's something so much better. And that's a powerful way to go into the world. Those are great things for... I'm more than, more than conqueror, okay? I'm free from guilt and shame. Uh, my citizenship is in heaven. Those are amazing, powerful things if we let them be in our lives and be easy for us to be kind of puffed up and for us to act like, oh, well, I'm a Christian. I'm so much better than you. Uh, by the way, if you didn't know, that's how the world sometimes thinks we feel. We're better than you because you be easy to feel that way. That's where the meekness comes in. That's where the meekness comes in. Here, Guess what? Did you make you more than a conqueror? Did did you take away your guilt and shame? No. Did you put your citizenship in heaven by your own power? All of this stuff and all of these verses, it says it, it all happened through Christ. It all came about because of those things. And there is a, there is, if you have not understood anything about meekness yet, that the easiest way to make uh, people of, of our generation to understand something is, is give them a picture, okay? We're going to watch a little video very quickly, an iconic character. If you have not watched this movie, shame on you. You need to watch it. It's from the movie. This little clip is from the movie Man of Steel, okay? I'm serious. You, you, you watch this and listen very carefully. The, the sound is a little low. We're going to do our best, but watch this and listen carefully. Come on, fight back! Get up, Kent. <laughs> so is that it? Is that all you've got? Come on, Kent. Come on!
aren't you? You know, they can't. It's not what I meant. I meant, are you all right? I wanted to hit that kid. I wanted to hit him so bad. I know you did. I mean, part of me even wanted you to, but then what? Make you feel any better? You just have to decide what kind of man you want to grow up to be, Clark, because whoever that man is, good character or bad, he's... He's going to change the world. What's on your mind? Could you hear that? Per okay, you guys? What are you saying there? Did you, and you noticed the bent pole where he was gripping it. Did you notice his posture in that last scene where he's against the fence? Got to watch that movie. That, that shows up several times in that movie. Making a point. All the power in the world, but under control. What, what, how can there be a greater example of meekness than the creator, sustainer of the entire universe, allowing himself to be put in flesh, walk around here, and then be put to death? There's this fantastic scene, event, and Jesus is in the garden. They come to arrest Jesus, and this happens from Matthew chapter 26, verses 51 through 54. But one of them with Jesus pulled out his sword and struck the high priest's slave, slashing off his ear. Put away your sword, Jesus told him. Those who use the sword will die by the sword. Don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us, and he would send them instantly? But if I did, how would the scriptures be fulfilled that describe what must happen now? You guys know that old hymn, don't you? He could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world. And set us free. He could have called 10,000 angels. But he died alone for you and me. That's meekness. That's meekness. None of these things that he's done for us, none of these things that he has given us were so that we could boast or feel really good about ourselves or hold it over anyone's head. They were done so that we... His people, his special people, his bride, his church. We could walk around in a world gone crazy in complete strength, in absolute power, and in victory through Jesus while living as servants in this world. Meekness? I've got a final thing I've got to say. Meekness, this is it. Last words I'm saying. Meekness. His power under his control in us.